Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is our chosen podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. So the tyranny of religion, let's establish first of all, what is, it, what is tyranny? Tyranny as, is defined as cruel and oppressive rule. Cruel and oppressive rule. So a tyrant is a cruel and oppressive ruler. And the Bible is full of exposing tyrants. I'm going to say it again. Tyranny is cruel and oppressive rule. A tyrant is a cruel, oppressive ruler, beginning with none other than Satan. Religion. See, when most people say, what religion are you? I go, I'm not. Most people, when you say religion, you think of Episcopalian, Presbyterian, Baptist, Charismatic, uh, Catholic, Protestant, whatever. That's not religion. Those are man-made denominations. You know, in the Bible, before we were called Christians, we were called the way. And then later on, Christians or Christ followers. But religion, I just want you to see today how programmed we are to believe deception and lies and I'm going to just succinctly, I'm going to get my own testimony, go through the word of God over the next few weeks or however long it takes and slay the sacred cows, the lies, the deceptions. Why? So that you can receive from Jesus. Religion is defined as the belief in and worship of a superhuman and controlling power. Now, I want to ask you a question. Is God controlling? Is Father controlling? Is Jesus controlling? Is Holy Spirit controlling? No. How many of you, you walk out and sitting right there on your porch is a dove, and you go, oh, my God, get the gun. Would you do that? Why? Doves are kind. They're gentle. Now, if you walk out and there's a vulture... I have my Winnie with me today because I'm going to be gone all day. It's, by the way, it's early release, and I do know that. Mothers, I will get you out in time, I promise. And, in fact, I have to go pick up some grandchildren. So, so we will, we'll be out of here in time for you to get your children. I appreciate you coming. I don't know why the Northeast and other districts are doing this, but it's you know, just to inconvenience me, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but you know what? She's, you know, six pounds something. I have to take her out to potty on a leash. I can't let her out by herself. You know why? I've seen hawks on my fence. And they'll pick her up and kill her. You see, there are things that are controlling, but not a dove. The father is not controlling. Jesus is never controlling. How many times did he say, do you want or what do you want? He never said, look, I'm going to force this on you. He doesn't do that. 
So religion is the belief in and worship of a superhuman human and controlling power. It is a return to bondage because it involves control. God never, ever, ever controls his people. He always gives us a choice. Deuteronomy 30, 19, I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day. I have set before you life and death, the blessings, plural, and the curses, plural. Therefore, it's an open book test. Choose life that you and your descendants may live. I told you last time about a friend, a gentleman, and he was, had terminal cancer. He was given a short time to live. The treatments had failed. And he, I think it was maybe the mountains. I don't remember where he went. And he heard, literally, he heard a voice. The Bible says you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And he heard these words, choose life. And this is what he realized, and it's what I want you to realize today. If the Lord gives you a command, he also gives you the power and the provision to obey that command. I was listening to one preacher. It was really pretty awesome. And, and uh, he was sitting in a service, and the Lord said, I want you to donate $10,000 to this ministry. And he said, Lord, that's all I have. And he heard the Holy Spirit say, well, that's all I'm asking you for. <laughs> and he did it. And, uh, you know, within, I, I mean, days, just that was just, whoops, multiply back to him. Okay, Tiffany, can you come up here and fix my prop, please. Thank you. It's what you get when you're all. And so he chose life. That was 26 years ago. God divinely healed him. And he's still alive today, ministering to people. Revelation 3, 15 and 16, another choice. I know your record of works and what you're doing. You're, either, you're neither hot nor cold. I would that you were hot or cold. So because you're lukewarm and you're not hot or cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. See, God is saying, be hot or cold. I mean, I want you to choose. Now, I've chosen to be hot. Now, at 69 years old, that doesn't mean I'm a babe. <laughs> Matthew 12, 33, another choice. Either make the tree sound healthy and good and its fruit sound healthy and good or make the tree rotten, diseased, and bad and its fruit rotten, diseased, and bad. For the tree is known and recognized and judged by its fruit. You see, he gives you a choice. Make the tree, you're the tree. Remember the blind man? He said, what do you see? I see men, they're like trees. Or Psalm 1, the person who obeys the Lord, he will be like a tree planted by streams of water. So trees symbolize people. Ezekiel 47, the trees of healing. The leaves are for healing of the nations. What's he talking about? Us. We're trees. Jesus gives you a choice. Either be healthy or be diseased. A tree is known by its fruit. It's a choice. The Bible's full of choices. There's promises in the word. I'm going to give you one of them. I'll give you another one next week. Isaiah 14, 3 through 7, that we will be delivered from tyranny. And it will be in that day when the Lord gives you rest from your pain and turmoil and from the harsh service in which you have been enslaved. Did I say Isaiah 14, 3 through 7? That you will take up this taunt against the king of Babylon. Now in scripture, the king of Babylon is Satan. You will take up a taunt. So let's say against Satan. And you will say how the oppressor, remember what tyranny is, 
Remember what a tyrant is, cruel and oppressive rule. How the oppressor has ceased. How his fury has ceased. The Lord has broken the staff of the wicked, the scepter of tyrant rulers, which used to strike the people in anger with incessant blows, which subdued and ruled the nations in wrath with unrelenting persecution. The whole earth is at rest and is quiet, and they break into shouts of joy. So what, what is God promising here? I'm going to break the staff and the scepter of the tyrants. Now, in the Hebrew, it'll say brutal rod, and it means the authority of wicked rulers. Here's a promise. God is going to break the authority of the tyrant over your lives. And I decree in the name of Jesus, every tyrant voice speaking to you today, and all tyranny is broken this day in the name of Jesus. got the power of choice. You can take it or you don't have to take it. Now, one of your greatest enemies is tradition. Tradition can be a tyrant. Now, I love traditions. We have traditions in our home. The children, grandchildren all come over on Thanksgiving morning and, and we have a light brunch and, and we uh, take communion as a family. And that's how we begin Thanksgiving. Kids go out, boys play football, and, and then later on that evening, we go to Katie and Cases, and she is a cook like you've never met in your life. Man, the girl can cook. And she, she lets us bring a few things. <laughs> but it's a feast. It's a true feast like the pilgrims had, I'm pretty sure. And, and it's wonderful. Those are good traditions on Christmas Day. I mean, we never open presents until we read about the greatest gift, Jesus Christ. We go to the Gospel of Luke and we read about his birth. And I cry every time. I can't hear that story without crying. I can't hear that great guy bring you good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you this day is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It just makes me cry. So beautiful. What a gift. Those are good traditions, Right? We're not talking about that. We're talking about the tra traditions of religion that have held you in bondage because you believe a lie. And it's ingrained in your subconscious. And until you allow it to come to the light in the forefront of your mind and you deal with it, you're going to walk in deception. I believe these messages will bring life and healing to many. Mark 7, 1 through 8. The Pharisees, oh, they were religious. And they look so good in their, their black robes and their phylacteries that had the... <coughs> excuse me, what did they have in the phylactery? Was it the Ten Commandments? <clears throat> something. They had the, the Torah or something. The Pharisees and some of the scribes gathered to Jesus after they came from Jerusalem and saw that some of his disciples were eating their bread with unholy and unwashed hands. God forgive them. And thereby holding firmly to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they completely cleanse themselves. And there are many other such things which they have received as traditions to firmly hold, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and copper pots. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked Jesus, why do your disciples not walk in accordance with the traditions of the elders? 
but they eat their bread with unholy hands. And Jesus said to them, rightly, did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites, these religious tradition keepers. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. And in vain do they worship me. Teaching, listen, as doctrines, the commandments of men. And that's what we're going to expose today. Neglecting the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men. And, and Jesus went on to say, and thus you invalidate the word of God. Traditions. Why am I not getting healed? Why am I not prospering? Why, 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 why this, why that? Are you bound by the traditions of men? Because if it's not solid gospel, you better check where you got it from. I had a very, very difficult background. I'm not going to say what church I was raised in. It doesn't matter. I'm sure you all have your own stories. I've heard plenty of them. And in the background in which I was raised, God was a punisher. If you were at Chosen, and this, the messages will be on the Chosen essay uh, podcast eventually. I don't know if they're there yet, but they all will be, and you can re-listen. And if you did not hear me on Saturday, I'm going to ask you to go back and listen to that. Because I shared about how I saw God as a punisher because I was punished so much. And the word daughter to me was a bad word. I didn't want to be a daughter. I wanted to be a warrior because daughters were beaten and daughters were verbally, had verbal harshness and emotional harshness. Why would I want that? That's what a daughter was to me. Now, I'm going to ask you all a question. How many of you are mothers? You are mothers. You are mothers. Raise your hand. All right, mothers. I'm asking mothers a question. If a brutal authority came and said, one of you will die, either you or your child, how many of you mothers, I want you to stand up, would 100% die before you let that brutal tyrant kill your child? 100%. And I'm standing. I would die for my child before I would ever allow anybody to hurt my babies and grandbabies. Tradition, though, has taught us that God is a child abuser. God gave his son. He did not spare his own son for you and me. And yet we believe that he's putting disease and dis-ease and poverty and shortage and lack Tradition. That's tradition. And it invalidates the word of God. I'm going to prove it to you. So, I mean, don't get mad at me. But I believe God was a punisher. And so I could not see him as my father. Because fathers hurt daughters. God delivered me from that. He took that tradition right out of me. I was taught there are levels of sin. There's a really bad sin and there's a lesser sin. If you die with a really bad sin, I'm not sure what that is because the Bible teaches that it's, a, it's a, like a rope or a link, links of a chain. You break one, you break them all. But if you die with a really bad sin, you're going to hell. 
If you die with the lesser sin, you're going to a different place until that's paid for. This is how I grew up. It messed me up. I believed that till I was 20 years old, till I gave my heart to Jesus. I believed you had to go through a man to get to God. I had someone text me the other day, and they were worried about something, and they said, I am begging God. I said, well, you're wrong right there. The Bible says you go boldly to the throne of grace. I don't need permission to go before my father. When the girls were growing up, and when he'd see their credit card, unpaid credit cards, lying around, he'd pick it up and pay for it. Why? He's daddy. He's not going to let his kids be in debt. We have no debt. Tradition. God withholds. Don't you ever believe that? And so that's how I grew up. And, and that tyrant, that spiritual force, that religion, that controlling power was like a claw in my brain. So let's tear down the first one. Today, we're just going to do your health. Tradition. This is what I was taught for 20 years. Listen carefully. Divine healing has passed away. Jesus healed for one reason, to authenticate his deity. Now, I can pull that down really fast for you. You know how? If he only did it to authenticate his deity, then why in Mark 16, before he ascended into heaven, did he say, these signs shall follow those who believe? They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Why did he say, greater works than these shall you do? Because I return to the Father. How do we do greater works? Because there's a whole lot of us. And if we're all fulfilling our purpose and doing what we're called to do, it's greater works. So if it's passed away and he only did it to authenticate his deity, then why did he give us that command? That's tradition. Tradition teaches healing has passed away. You know where it came from? Because some people don't get healed. Well, why not? I have no idea. That's none of my business. There's a pastor in El Paso. Some of you might have. I think his church is called Abundant Life. I'm not sure. And uh, his wife was dying. And, I mean, he taught healing. And he, I think she passed away on New Year's Day one year. This years ago. He sat outside his hospital room. I'll never forget it. And he said, Lord, I don't know. I don't understand this, but I'll never ask you why. That's between you and her. But I will not, I will not disgrace your word. So you got to get out of your mind what's happening to other people or you're going to just go down. I want to ask you a question. You ever try to save a drowning person that doesn't want to be, I mean, that's in panic? You know what'll happen? You're going to drown too. I mean, unless you're a Navy SEAL. You'll drown too. They'll pull you under if they fight you. I cannot keep my mind on other people. I have to stay focused on the word of God. So the Lord would have to change his name if healing has passed away. Malachi 3.6. I am the Lord. I do not change. Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ, the same today, yesterday, and forever. 
John 14, 5 through 14. Thomas said to the Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have also known my Father. From now on, you have seen and known him. That right there destroyed my false belief in a father who punishes. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Jesus never refused to heal anyone, ever, not one time. Prove it to me. You prove to me he refused to heal. You can't. I've already looked. Philip said, I love Philip, <laughs> show us the father. And then we'll be satisfied. Jesus said, have I been with you for so long and you do not recognize and know me yet, Philip? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe I'm in the Father and the Father's in me? What I'm telling you, I don't say on my own authority. The Father who lives in me, he does his works, miracles, and deeds of power. Believe me, I'm in the Father, the Father in me, or else believe me because of the works themselves. I assure you and most solemnly tell you, if anyone steadfastly believes in me, he'll be able to do the things I do, and he'll do even greater things because I go to the Father, and I will grant you whatever, say whatever, whatever you ask in my name, presenting all that I am so that you can be very famous and people will flock to you and they will extol you and say how wonderful you are. No, no, that's not what he says. So that the Father may be glorified and extolled in the Son. Yes, I will grant whatever you shall ask in my name. Now, if it's Bible, the answer is always yes. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. That's what it says. Now, the Bible doesn't tell you to marry. God may say no. You might be demanding, I want to get married today. And God says, no, you need to wait because he knows what's best. Father knows best. You might not know what job to take. I'm going to take this job. And the Lord might say, no, that's not the job I have for you. Wait a little longer. The door's going to open. So that's when you hear the no's and the waits. But when it is solid Bible, the answer is yes, because all the promises of God. Okay, you're looking at me like, oh, this just can't be true. It's Bible. Listen, if you want to call God a liar, don't do it in my face. I don't have all the answers, but I have the answer. Jesus is the way. He is the truth. All right, so we're, we're going to, now we are going to slay the sacred cow. Tiffany, come up here and move this table, please. <laughs> Yes. Can you, let's put it, baby, in front of the pulpit. How's that? All right, I'm going to read to you a passage. Mark 12. Mark 2, excuse me, verse 2. Many were gathered together so that there was no longer space, not even in the door. And he was speaking the word to them. And some people came bringing him a man who was paralyzed, carried by four men. Now, he was in his house preaching, by the way. And when they were unable to get to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof. 
above him. And after digging and opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralyzed man was lying. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, when I, after I had the birth of my third child, I was in Dillard's at the old Central Park Mall one day, and I ran into Pam Williams. She was kind of bratty, and she said to me, in Jesus' name. See, you can always say in Jesus' name, and it makes it all right. And uh, no, Jesus, I, you know I'm just playing, and he's, it's okay with him. And uh, she said, oh, I'm glad I ran into you because some of us have been talking about teaching, you teaching again. And I stopped because I was homeschooling two girls and I also had a baby. And she said, I know you have a baby, we'll come to your house. And I, I honestly, no disrespect, I thought, she's crazy. And I went home and I said, Randy, I ran into Pam Williams today. And he goes, oh, that's great. How is she? I said, she's nuts. <laughs> I said, you know that she had the nerve. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. Ask Randy. She had the nerve to ask me to teach in my house. I have got two, a six-year-old and an eight-year-old that I'm homeschooling. I am not sleeping all night because Courtney was one of those I mean, I would get one, two hours of sleep. That was it. I am exhausted. And she had the nerve to ask me. And then they would have come trash out my house. <laughs> and Randy looked at me and he said, you must. Don't clap for her. <laughs> and so, and she'll tell you the truth. My house got so crowded, isn't this true? That if you did not go to the bathroom when you got there, you did not go to the bathroom. <laughs> My entry, the whole living area, and I had a big living area. The hallways, the breakfast rooms packed. You could not move. But I can tell you right now, if somebody cut a hole in my roof, and lo lowered a lame person, the people that lowered that person would be lame. Okay, but that's not what Jesus did. So they lowered the paralyzed man, and Jesus, seeing their faith, you know Jesus can see faith? You can't fool him. You can pretend to have faith, but you can't fool him. He can see if you really have faith. Seeing their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, he called him son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes, the religious people, were sitting there thinking it over in their hearts. Why does this man speak that way? Now, they're thinking this. They're not saying it. He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins except God alone? Religion. Actually, that was a lie because you and I can forgive sins. If somebody wrongs you, you forgive them. What are you doing? You're forgiving sin. Immediately, Jesus, aware in his spirit that they were thinking that way within themselves, you better watch what you think, people, said to him, them, why are you thinking about these things in your heart? I mean, wouldn't you freak out? I mean, what if I could see what you were thinking? Maybe I can. No, I can't. 
<laughs> I can't. No. Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and pick up your pallet and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet, go home. And he got up immediately and he picked up the pallet and he went out of the sight of everyone so that they were all amazed and were glorifying God saying, we've never seen anything like this. Now, I saw a preacher do this one time and it was so cool. And so my friend Marjorie Mabry found me some scales of justice. And I want to show you something. If I ask you Christians, are you forgiven? There would be no doubt about it. You would say yes. But if I said to you, are you healed? Look what happens. You put forgiveness up here and healing down here. It's the same sacrifice. This is how the scales are supposed to be. Forgiveness and healing are balanced in the scales. Well, that's just one scripture. That was an exclusive incident, really. All right. I'm so glad you said that. I'm glad you thought that in your heart. Psalm 103, 1 through 3, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not one of all his benefits, who forgives all of your iniquities, who heals all of your diseases. What? He forgives? He forgives? Yes. He heals? Oh, this thing broke again, for heaven's sake. All right. Okay, we're just, we're going to, you get it. All right. <laughs> Tiffany, take this home and glue this thing, would you? Okay. It, you get it, though. Healing, forgiveness, same sacrifice. I don't know about that. Okay. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Surely he has borne our griefs. That Hebrew word means sickness. Look it up. Weakness and distress. He carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. And yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God. He was wounded for our transgressions, our rebellion. He was bruised for our iniquities, the things we inherited from our forefathers. The punishment that we needed to obtain peace and well-being fell upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. Forgiveness, healing, same, it balances on the scale. Well, I just still don't know about that. Matthew 8, 16 and 17, Jesus fulfilled the prophecy about him in Isaiah 53. When evening came, they brought to him many who were under the power of demons, and he drove out the spirits with the word, and he healed all, restored to health all who were sick. And thus he fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He himself took in order to carry away our weaknesses and infirmities. He bore away our diseases. He fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Oh, but see, he fulfilled it. It's over. Okay. Okay. 
1 Peter 2.24. Jesus personally bore our sins in his own body on the tree. That we might die, cease to exist to sin, and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. After the death of Christ. Healing and righteousness are balanced on the scale. When I know I have been made the righteousness of God, next time we're going to talk about, I'm just an old sinner, saved by, by grace, but I'm a sinner. Really? That is a contradiction of the word of God if you've made the Lord Jesus your Savior and your Lord. I'll show it to you. I'm not going to tell you anything that I can't back up with word. Here's a good one. James 5, 14 and 15. Is there any among you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will save the one who is, or, or restore the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. But it didn't stop there. It says, and if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Forgiveness and healing. Same thing. It balances the scale. Stop doing this. Oh, yeah, I'm forgiven, but I'm not healed. No, 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 no. Same sacrifice. Same Savior. Same Messiah. Now, you, need, you might need the Lord's direction on, Lord, all right, I have this in my body. If you do, I need your wisdom. Show me what to do. So a couple of years ago, I wrote a Bible study. Many of you were here. It was Journey to Health and Wellness. Because you can be healthy and not be well. Because your soul is not well. And then I did a journey to a restored soul. Because your health is in your soul. The Apostle John prayed, I pray that you will prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And so in my faith, your number one step to be well is to get things Restored in your soul with the shepherd. And we talked about last time, letting all those things that have been buried in those three layers of your subconscious allow the Holy Spirit to bring it to the light, the forefront. He is still showing me things. I could just stand up here for two hours and just tell you, which I would do if we had time. Just things that, uh, that I've stored, packed away, didn't even know where they were there. Just yesterday, the Lord showed me something and I was like, wow, wow. Had no idea I was storing that. It wasn't ought against anybody. It was a wound. It was just a wound. But you know what? Those wounds can make you sick. So that's what I've been doing, and I, I love it. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, May the God of peace sanctify you through and through, and may your spirit, soul, and body be preserved complete and found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Get rid of all those traditions. Let's look at another one. John 5, 1 through 9. This is the man at the pool of Bethesda. And verse 3, in these, in these lay a great number of sick folks, some blind, crippled, paralyzed, waiting for the bubbling of the water. And an angel of the Lord went down and at appointed seasons and moved the water. Whoever got there first was cured of whatever disease of which he was afflicted. And there was a man who suffered with a deep-seated and lingering disorder for 38 years. I like to think of that was in his subconscious that made him sick. It was deep-seated and lingering, 38 years. 
And when Jesus noticed him lying there helpless, knowing that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, listen, do you want to be made well? Simple question. And self-pity gets in the victim. I don't have anybody. When the water moves to put me in the pool, I'm trying to come into it and somebody else steps out ahead of me. And Jesus said, get up, pick up your bed and walk. And instantly the man became well and he recovered his strength and picked up his bed and walked. And that happened on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees got mad. The religious people got mad. The tyrants got mad. And Jesus went and found him. You know what he said to him? He found him in the temple and he said to him, see, you are well. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. In this case, sin caused his disorder. It doesn't always. But in this case, it did. But what happened? He was forgiven. He was healed. All right. Another one. Now, this is a man that sin did not cause his affliction. John 9. And Jesus was walking along, and he saw a man who had been blind from birth. And Rabbi, his disciples, asked him, why was this man born blind? Here's religion. Was it because of his own sin or his parents? You know, I have had people tell me that when they were afflicted, people say to them in certain denominations, what sin have you committed to cause this? Shame on them. I can't think of anything more cruel. Now, Jesus, who wasn't religious, said... It was not because of his sins or his parents. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. And remember what he did? He spit on the ground, put his DNA in that mud, rubbed it on his eyes. And the blind man washed his eyes and could see. And the Jewish leaders refused to believe the man had even been blind. And so they started persecuting him, and they went to the parents and just shook the parents. Was this your son? Was he born blind? They were trying to disprove what had happened. And they called the man in a couple of times. God should get the glory in this. Well, duh, Jesus is God. We know that Jesus is a sinner, verse 24. And the man, I love this man, he had guts. He said, look, I don't know whether he's a sinner I just know this. I once was blind, but now I see. But what did he do? How did he heal you? And look, the man said, I told you once you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You want to be disciples too? And they cursed him. And they said, you're his disciple. We're disciples of Moses. And we know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. The man said, well, this is very strange. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from? I, I love this guy. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. And the Pharisees said, you were born a total sinner. Are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. And when Jesus heard what happened, he found the man and he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man answered, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You've seen him, Jesus said, and he's speaking to you. What kindness. Yes, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped Jesus. The tyranny of religion accuses people, condemns people, says you can't be healed, says God put this sickness on you. I did not see one mother stand up in this audience 
that would not die for her child. You know, when my kids were little, and this was pure stupidity, do you remember what we used to do when the kids got chicken pox? God forgive us. What do we do? Yeah. Come on. Let's just go ahead and get over with. Let's have a chicken pox party. Come on. You know you did it if you're in my age category. I wouldn't. I mean, you know, what about COVID? Oh, let's have a COVID party. Nobody did that. Listen, I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to uproot from your heart the tyranny of that religious spirit, that cruel, oppressive rule that says you can't be healed, that God doesn't want to heal you, that God put this on you. Every lie of the devil. Hey, I believed all of it. And here's the worst part, that you're not worthy to be healed. You're not worthy because you're a sinner. I love the fact that these guys, the invalid at the pool of Bethesda, the man born blind, didn't even know who Jesus was. He didn't vet them first. He didn't see how righteous and good they were first. No, you know what he did? He loved them first. Love heals. The Bible says love never hurts anybody. Tradition invalidates the word of God. Religious tradition. I'm going to ask you between today, you know, we're in the season now of Yom Kippur. It's an open heaven. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you the religious traditions you believe that have tyrannized you. The Lord is good. He's so good. He's love. He loves you. He's extending a hand to you. He opens his hand and he satisfies the desire of every living thing according to Psalm 145. He's not afflicting you. He's not punishing you. He bore your punishment. How could he be? You know what? I'm going to ask you something. If you had a big credit card bill, let's say, let's say, let's see my Katie's here today. And she, and I saw a credit card bill and, and she owed a million dollars. And I took that, that bill home and I paid that million dollars. And then she would say, oh no, I'm going to pay it again. I can't let you do that. We do that to Jesus. The punishment needful for you to obtain peace fell upon him. And by his wounds, you are healed. The first Peter 2.24 says you were healed. If you were, you are. I don't care how good and how godly and how loved you feel. You ask the Holy Spirit. Is there any religious tyranny in my subconscious that I can't see? He'll show you. Because there's plenty of Pharisees around to tell you how bad you are. They, we just don't wear robes anymore in phylacteries, but they're everywhere. I've given to you today truth. Will you believe it?
will you receive it? Not because I said, but because there's solid scripture to back it. It took me more than 40 years to get that denominational tyrant out of my head. You heard my sweet little Amy Jones, whom I'm so proud of. Amy, stand up. I know you don't want to, but do it anyway. <laughs> During summer Bible study, this beautiful lady, this gorgeous daughter of Jesus, gave her testimony. It's still in the, it's still there. I just don't remember which one. Just listen to all of them. You'll hear her. And it was so awesome. You can sit down, honey. And, and it took everything in her for me to let her, let me. It took everything in her to let me take her to Rick. I mean, Rick is a very formidable presence. I mean, he's tall. He's got big, thick eyebrows, deep-set blue eyes. And when he laid hands on her, she had a genetic disease. And he said, I've never said this before. It boomed out of him. He said, you have a legal right to be well. I nearly fell backwards. A legal blood-bought, signed-in-blood right. And if, if anybody has had beauty for ashes, she has, and it's taken a lot of courage. And now she's on this platform, worshiping. Amen. God is no respecter of persons, so let's pray. Holy Spirit, I ask you to shine your light on our souls, on our subconscious, and show us and make it plain every tyrant lie we have believed, every hypocrisy, every pharisaical accusation from the accuser. Reveal it to our subconscious that we will bring it to the light and that the light will overpower the darkness. And Lord, here I am. You're not done with me. You show me, God, and I will be quick to receive truth. I'm determined. I'm determined to have all you died to give me. And thank you that you said the voice of the tyrant is silenced. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting chosenessay.com. Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.